What's up, everyone, and thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Outside Girl Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Akinwumi, and join me as I chat with some entrepreneurial women who discuss their experiences of feeling like outsiders and further share insights into how they built their incredible businesses. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Outside Girl Pod and check out the website at theoutsidegirl.com. Today, I'm joined by Natasha Singh, a Toronto-based marketer and creative entrepreneur who is the founder of At The Moment, a platform and community with the purpose of amplifying the voices of people who identify as women. Before I sat down with Natasha, though, to listen to her story, she actually mentioned to me that she was struggling a little with coming on this show because she wasn't sure if At The Moment could be considered a business. I assured her that that's not the case, and that's mainly because I've always thought Uh, a business as something that enables an individual or a group of people to create something and share it with the world, like I'm doing with this podcast. Whether someone chooses to monetize that idea or not is entirely up to them, but it's out there and it's very much a business. But that apprehension that she felt is something known as imposter syndrome, and so many deal with it, especially women of color. For those not familiar with the term, it's basically a feeling where even though you're very much competent to perform something or speak about a topic or what have you, you might struggle with accepting the fact that you're the best person for the job or you deserve to be in that room. It's one of the reasons that I started this podcast, because in those moments, you very much feel like an outsider. And so to anyone who's felt like Natasha... I'm not in the business of invalidating people's feelings, so feel that fear. Go through whatever internal sabotage you need to. But I encourage you to be brave and say, F it, and do it anyway. Which is how Natasha has lived her life. Growing up in the small town of Brantford, Ontario, Natasha grew up in a large immigrant Indian household, living with her immediate and extended relatives, including her cousins. She was the youngest kid in her household, so was often spoiled, but that never seemed to stifle her ambitious creative persona. Yeah, I definitely think uh, I've carried on the creative energy. Like, I do remember, like, I remember, I'm going to take it back to kindergarten for a second. I remember in kindergarten, they're like, what do you want to be when you're older? And I wanted to be a hairdresser and like a fashion designer and a bunch of other things. And that carried through a lot of my childhood. Um, And I would always love drawing and I'd always love just like creating and designing and and even like curating, like I would, when I played house, I would play, I'd basically create the house, but never want to playing it, playing in it. Or we were, we would set up like a store and we'd create the retail experience, but we'd never actually play store. <laughs> so I'd always love building the thing um, rather than actually playing in the thing. Uh, and then I definitely carried that energy through my adult life, uh, which led me into going to school for fashion. She went to a local Toronto college and pursued a degree in fashion design, where she later on realized she didn't actually want to be a designer, but she still loved fashion. So she got a job working in retail instead. An opportunity was presented to her later where she was able to secure an internship at the corporate headquarters in Montreal of the store that she worked at. So she packed up her things and made the move to Montreal, where she was supposed to be there for only a three-month internship, and it ended up being extended to a couple of years after she was offered a full-time job. She became an assistant buyer, and that's where she was really able to flex her fashion skills. But the fashion industry is notorious for being white-dominated, so I asked her what her experience was with that, and you know if she experienced being an outsider during that time. Being so young, I definitely had blinders on. 
I knew I didn't necessarily fit in, but at the same time, I didn't necessarily like make that stop me in any way. It's like, it's a hard, like I do look back at often to think like, wow, I, I got this internship. I was definitely like the only one in the room, like definitely the only person of color working on that team. Um, and like a handful of people of color that worked at that company or in the, in the head office at the time. Um, <clears throat> so I think like, yeah, like I acknowledged it, but it wasn't something that was like the forefront right away. So I guess my next question is, when was the moment that you, you realized that you felt like an outsider? And, and, and then when you realized that, how were you able to kind of navigate those feelings? I definitely knew like as soon as I got there, I'm like, this is going to be an interesting experience. Um, and like, I think the first or second week I was there, I met two other friends and we had, were like basically one friend was from Toronto and just like, she also moved to Montreal and one friend, uh, was from Montreal. Um, and like, we were the three like POCs essentially in this department and we stuck together like glue right away and became like really good friends. So basically finding people who were like like-minded and like had similar interests as me uh, was like very helpful and being able to like, they were essentially my safe, my safe space. Hmm. Interesting. So I guess that community of people were able to kind of help you with navigating those feelings then. Yeah. And like, yeah, especially being in a new city, like we hung out together in Montreal. There's a culture of like Cinque Set where you go for happy hour essentially. And so like, yeah, if I didn't have them, my gosh, I think I would have like probably fell apart. Yeah. Um, and then we stayed all, like, we stayed very close friends throughout the time I was there. And even now. So even from a, a, a younger age, you realize the importance of, of having a community then. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, yeah, friendships and, and building like a space where you have people around you that just like understand you. Hmm. So do you feel like these experiences played any part in you, you know, wanting to become a creative entrepreneur? Because, you know, I think for a lot of people, they get their full time, their first um, job out of college or from school. And, you know, they're like, I'm good. I have a nine to five, you know, I can go home. I could chill. I don't need to, you know, get a side hustle. I don't need to make any extra income. But for you, you've always kind of had a, a drive to want to have your own thing and, and and put stamp your name on something. So do you feel like these experiences like helped you helped you kind of have interest in becoming a creative entrepreneur? Yeah, at the time I didn't like, I definitely didn't know that. I know, okay, okay, I'm, I'm fully lying. <laughs> I, like when I was younger, no, when I was younger, I had the idea of like, I'm going to become a fashion designer. So even that idea was very entrepreneurial to the fact that like, you don't just like, you, in order to become a fashion designer, you need to basically start your own business. I didn't really know that or acknowledge that, but the free spirited like ideas I had in my head were very much very independent and like never necessarily like wanting to associate myself to like a company or a specific job uh so yeah I definitely have like always thought that way in in a weird in a weird way um I guess it's not necessarily weird but yeah that's just how my brain has operated uh and then in the early days of fashion yeah like it was really cool working for a company I learned a lot I got a lot of exposure got to travel a lot and like to different cities so I think like the lifestyle that I was able to be exposed to it showed me a lot of other like companies that were maybe small businesses that we worked with or yeah I had a lot of exposure to like so many different types of businesses within the fashion industry uh, that might have helped influence like how I operated later. 
She ended up working there for a bit more time, but then she decided to leave Montreal and take a year to travel the world. From Asia to Europe, she let her journey inspire her, and by the time her trip was coming to an end, she had come up with a new business idea that would be the catalyst to what would end up being at the moment. And by the end of that year, I was like, okay, I had an idea that I wanted to start like um, a business, essentially. So I did, and I, I registered a business, and it was under it was called signature so my last name in nature so it's like I'm leaving I'm leaving yeah I'm leaving my stick I know it's so cheesy but like I still love it and my my personal website is it's it's signature.com but the concept of that was like I'm leaving my signature on everything I do or like experiences I create I didn't know at the time I was going to create experiences um, but yeah that really was like a testing ground of just I just a bunch of ideas I had and because I was able to take a year off and like super fortunate to do that, I just played, yeah, I just played around. Like I wasn't making a lot of money. So what ended up happening is that like I ended up going to thrift stores and but like I wanted clothes and I didn't have the money to buy clothes. So I would go to thrift stores, uh, buy items and then re- like re- not furbish them, but reinvent them essentially. Uh, and so from there, I had this concept of recycle, reuse and reinvent. So Signature was like the like the umbrella brand of this. And then what comes out of Signature is like everything that I create from interiors or to clothing, it was it would be very upcycled. And this was before upcycling sustainability was like even a trendy thing. It was just something that like I knew was true to me. And based on me working in the fashion industry for so many years, I knew how much waste was created. Like I, when I was working in accessories, I realized there was just so much waste. It was like really, really like appalling. We would get just boxes of like plastic from China, like just different types of accessories and all the things that we didn't even ask for. We didn't even need, but these vendors would just send them to you. And so, yeah, I definitely like got off. Like it was, I got turned off from the industry after so many years, definitely jaded a little tainted. uh, And I wanted to like still be in it, but not necessarily in it from a corporation standpoint. So yeah, the entrepreneurial journey really started in 2009, yeah, 2009 into 2010. At that point, I didn't, I wasn't able to like sustain, um, I wasn't able to sustain just like living off of the little pennies I was making. So I had to go back into the industry. I got another job. I moved back to Toronto. Um, That was pretty much in 2010. I worked for I worked in wholesale for a couple years, hated it. By this point, I was getting really, really like jaded by the industry and I really did not want to work in the fashion industry anymore, but I didn't know what else I like was necessarily like where, like where would I go next? So until I figured that out, I was working full-time in a few jobs that I never like really disliked, but then working on my side projects like on the side. So Signature, I just kept pushing forward. It evolved from like me selling like random upcycled clothing at markets to a blog to a blog that never really took off but became like a personal website essentially of just like my creations and my projects and like things that made me happy um and yeah the the focus of the of the website was always just to like publish the things that I've created that I believe in or like the things that like I want to share definitely trying to get on the blogging trend but like I just didn't know how to blog nor did I have like the commitment like I didn't have the consistency of blogging like I didn't like writing I didn't like doing certain things that like really are crucial to blogging at the time (laughs) 
that led into like a couple years of just doing that. Um, and then 2011, 2012 happened and I met a community of uh, folks. I, I was still new to Toronto. So I was lucky enough to like move in with a roommate who w really helped and connected me to like a creative community in Toronto. Uh, and he exposed me to like a bunch of folks that I would have never met if it wasn't for him, which I'm super grateful for. And uh, through that community, I was able to meet uh, a big access a space that allowed me to like come up with an idea called walk-in closet uh, and walk-in closet essentially was like again going back into the recycle reuse reinvent like that mo motto of signature was always there and I just like couldn't let it go so the concept of this essentially was a pop-up it was a pop-up shop essentially I started with my own closet I had so many items from like over the years of accumulating things from fashion um, so many different types of like from clothing to accessories to you name it, like I, the list goes on. So I was like, I was ready to purge and let go. Um, and so I, I promoted uh, a pop-up that were basically of my, like a pop-up of my closet. I called it walk-in closet. And then I put it on for three days, promoted it amongst the circle of friends that I had through the space that I was using. Um, and then that became like a, a after that sale, everyone would really like the idea of it. Uh, and again, thrift shopping was becoming a thing and secondhand shopping was becoming a thing, but it really became like, it, I did this for three years. So I definitely like, yeah, created a really unique community, really unique following. And um, yeah, through that, it became like very much an experience. Like People were coming to, like, I'd kick it off with a cute little party on the Thursday night. And then, like, you would shop Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and it would close. And it would be a consignment model, too. So the person's closet, they would get a percentage of the sales. And then I would make the, the rest of the percentage. And, uh, again, I wasn't breaking the bank. Like, I wasn't making so much money. And, like, I was definitely breaking even every time I did this. But it was very much a passion project. And, like, the, the community that was built out of it was just, like, something really, really special that's hard to even explain. Uh, definitely had to have been there type of moment. Uh, and then from there, I, I, over the years, I think halfway through that, I did decide to leave my job in retail and um, kind of commit full time to walk-in closet, but not just walk-in closet, but like commit full time to this like creative entrepreneurial path, which at the time I didn't know that's what it was, but I just knew I had other ideas I needed to like throw out into the universe to see like what would stick and what wouldn't. So I spent like three years of really just like throwing ideas out, consistently doing walk-in closet, but then consistently doing just other things that I knew I was just had ideas. Like in between those years, I think I did, you name it, I did it. Like I was like, uh, condos obviously became a really big thing in that era of Toronto. So I was like um, fully staging condos at one point. I was, yeah, I like, I was jack of all trades, like to the point where like I needed to narrow for sure. Cause I was trying to do everything. I was doing window displays in the city, um, which like I definitely have like a very good eye for, but, and then I would do, I created a couple markets, like a couple, like um, essentially maker markets. Uh, and then I was, I was essentially doing walk-in closet. I became like a retail fairy in in the world like in the world of Toronto and like I kind of spread my dust everywhere <laughs> like I'll do a little bit here a little bit there uh towards the end of those years I realized the one thing that I'm like okay is it the fashion that I love or is it like building community or is it like 
bringing people together. And I realized it was like really bringing, creating experiences and bringing people together is what like was the glue in all, all these experiences. I always think there's something quite special about starting one thing and watching it become something entirely different. Starting walk-in closet was something out of an opportunity or a gap in the market that she took advantage of and ran with. But now she's kind of realized it was never quite about the end goal of, of selling used clothes for a profit. It was more about bringing people together for a collective experience. She would later end up getting hired at Shopify as an experiential marketer, where she was part of the team to strategize and execute on super cool pop-ups like that of Kylie Jenner's back in 2016. But of course, Natasha being Natasha knew she wanted to put her stamp on something new, bringing us to the early beginnings of At The Moment. It started about two years ago. Um, three years into working at Shopify, I was like, okay, I need to invest back into myself. Uh, and I noticed that like I wasn't doing that anymore. So I would meet up weekly with a friend and we would kind of just jam on ideas that we like both had from like our personal development, professional development, trying to figure out like, you know, essentially we just had like focus meetings every week. Like my, I, I don't even know what you would call them, like masterminds. And then finally we had an idea to, um, it actually started out as a product idea so we had an idea to sell like hand fans so the idea came out but like it was a summertime we were going to parties we're like oh my god we both had an obsession with hand fans um and so we're building up this the idea of a brand to sell these hand fans and so we built out like we knew what type of product we wanted to sell we're trying to come up with a name we're trying to cut we knew the audience we wanted to sell it to and so we're like fully getting into on like an product an online product we wanted to like put into the universe into the world we put all this work into it we build this brand out it's called at the moment um and as we were building it out we're just like okay cool like we had some sales once we launched it were like it was working um but there's also felt like there was like an emptiness to it like it felt very like surface it didn't feel like there was depth to it we knew we were like the the audience we were selling it to were women and we wanted to like also empower women's voices through storytelling and through the product like we're trying to do a lot of things at once um and we realized okay you know what product selling a product is, is important but not necessarily like what really drives us and keeps us going and so we took a moment we paused and we figured like what do we really believe in and what we noticed and this was definitely like the beginning idea of at the moment but it kind of we kind of got like derailed and we just sort of started focusing on just selling the product only rather than really coming to like what is this brand what do we believe in and what are we trying to say in it uh and so finally we paused took a regroup and we're like okay well we believe in women we're both women of color um and we want to be able to amplify voices that are around us like we felt like in our community in our creative community uh we weren't hearing our voices in 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 environments, in experiences, in media, in like publications, you name it. Like we just weren't hearing enough of our stories. Uh, and anytime we would get together with our group of friends, we just knew how like unique we all were. Like unique, but at the same time, not so like one of a kind, but not necessarily like one of a kind. Cause like we all like related to one another in, in like some shape or form. And we were like a very diverse group of people. So we knew there was something special to that. And so we wanted to be able to like take that, that those special conversations and essentially be able to like bring them to a larger platform and bring them like raise those voices a bit louder. 
So that's kind of when our community building component of at the moment came along. And what's funny, because like everything I've been able to build, community is always at the front of it. This was like the first time where I decided not to put community at the front of it and focus on like, oh, we want to build a product. We want to sell something. We want to do this. But like we still had to stop and realize like, no, in order to like even sell the product, we need a community. You know, we, need, we need an audience. And so we learned a bit of the hard way at the, at the beginning. Um, but then it was a great learning lesson. Like it was like a fun project to, to test out from the product standpoint. But once we pivoted into like actually building experiences, what we started doing is like doing small, intimate events and essentially like 30 people, panel discussions, again, back to like 101 of what I knew, like programming, content, building, like the things I think I've been doing for like many years now, we went back to that and we just started slowly chipping away and building this like um, diverse community of women and telling like, we wouldn't necessarily promote like, oh, it's a woman of color platform. We were like, this is a woman's platform. Um, but in our programming and in in the way we curated the events and the content, it was just like innately diverse. That's just how we think. That's how we operate. And that's just like how our like how. Yeah, that's just how who we are, essentially. Um, so throughout the year of that year, which I don't even remember, I think that was last year, we kept just pushing out these events and building the small community uh and then we finally decided you know what like we want to create like kind of bridge the gap between creativity and like women and like what does that mean and so we wanted to build an experience essentially an art exhibit potentially we had a bunch of ideas of like actually doing an exhibit of some sort but we just didn't know like how to do it or where when where we were going to get this money or like how it was going to happen um, until one day, uh, co-founder Freight at the moment, Alika, she decided she she saw a a posting for this grant uh, with Myzeum, and so she's like, "Hey, we should apply for this. Like, we could actually like bring some of these ideas to life if we get this grant." I'm like, "Okay, let's do it." So she um, writes up the grant, and then we find out two months later that we got it. The concept for the grant was um, basically this woman's work. So the, the concept for the exhibit was the past, present, and future of women's work. Uh, and then for the past and present, we wanted to be able to tell those stories through women's, like, women's stories, uh, being um, women maybe telling those stories through their, their mothers, their grandmothers, and then bringing it to their present moment and talking about their experience uh, through art and, yeah, depending on the gift, yeah, essentially through art. And then the future component, we collaborated with a foresight agency called from later and they their goal was to create a soundscape of like the future of 2060 uh and essentially the soundscape is to like pretty much predict where like the future of women's work could go so this was a really great idea super exciting we were working really hard on it since like june of 2019 up until pretty much like March of 2020 um, and of March in 2020, we actually created like a fundraising event that was really uh, about the future of women's work. And again, another diverse panel. Um, it was just like a wonderful conversation. It was like really a high point of our, we had about 200 people like actually like come and, and attend this event. It was really like it was an amazing experience. Uh, and then two weeks later is when like essentially lockdown happened. 
um, for COVID-19. And in April of 2020 was when the exhibit was supposed to launch. So we were like two weeks away from launching this exhibit. Uh, and sadly, it didn't happen because of COVID. To be honest, speaking with business owners these last couple of months when describing how the coronavirus has impacted their plans is always kind of heartbreaking to hear. Uh, it's also kind of humbling because to me, it shows that hard work is not the only thing that matters for a business to be successful because there are so many things out of your control. Natasha shared how hard this was for them and they were actually contemplating shifting it online. But with the protests surrounding Black Lives Matter and anti-Black racism, they knew it wasn't the best of times either. We were revisiting um, pivoting online for the month of June. Uh, and then the world shifted, shifted again. And we realized like the priority of this conversation is still very important, but there's definitely other priorities to be discussed. And like anti-Black racism is definitely a priority. And not to say that there was definitely through lines to some of our artists work that would have connected back to that but it wouldn't have been the main topic um and so we do think this work is really important and there's so much for us to share about the future of women's work um but yeah there's definitely the conversation has shifted and so it, it, it's at a pause right now hmm. and uh i want to i want to bring come up to, to this point where you talked about you know at the moment being paused so you know some of the 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 ventures you've kind of pursued earlier and the projects you've kind of pursued earlier you've kind of let them go but what's so different about at the moment that you want to continue it you know life you know has hit us all pretty hard and you know you're pausing these for obvious reasons but what is still driving you to want to continue to build this community that you're building i think legit the last event we did in march which was like um which so, was amazing by the way <laughs> i was yes you were there you definitely helped bring it together so i super appreciate that um the energy of that event which like you said yeah you were there like it was really special the conversation was so important um and just like there is something really unique to that like that's the last thing that i kind of keep in my brain thinking of like when i get blustered or like I get like, oh, what am I going to do next? What are we going to do next with this? I always go back to that moment and realize like that community we were able to build and like the conversation we were able to have and the, the space we were able to hold for so many women um, was really important and really valuable. And so many people got, we had got so much um, amazing feedback about it. So that's kind of like the motivation, like motivator to like obviously keep going at one, at some point. Um and like, yeah, like so many people have been able to do an amazing job of like pivoting online right away. But because this is a side project for us, we both have like, we both have full-time careers that we have to focus on. It, it, the last few months have been demanding in that way. But yeah, I feel like I kind of summed that up is like the experience, the community, bringing people together. Um, not just people, you know what? It was people like we had men and women and like like generation, different generations in in that room, like so many different diverse backgrounds as well like it was bringing people together to listen to the conversation about the future of women's work and how important it is yeah um and if we don't necessarily pay attention now we it, things could get like real ugly real soon yeah and I, and I actually wanted to um then talk about the such the diverse amount of people you had at that event uh because I think that in itself is was kind of 
like incredible to see because you know sometimes I go to events and you usually it's pretty homogeneous like homogenous and it's it's you know like it's expected but I feel like with the turnout of your event it was packed it was just like so many different people men women everybody like in between like it was amazing um and so when it comes to so something something that's really important to this community um is sharing knowledge as to how you built certain things right so when it comes to building the community that you've so successfully built, even though it's on pause right now, you've still done that. What do you think are three tangible things that people can do in order to reach out to different diverse communities, um, you know, get people to come to these kind of events and and really speak to um, people of diverse backgrounds that maybe they don't usually have the opportunity to do? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Um, I guess like I'm realizing more and more and more now that like I the way my brain operates and the way like when I'm curating a panel discussion, you name it and experience, I automatically just think about like, I want to see diverse experiences and people represented. Cause like, otherwise it would be pretty boring. <laughs> and so I, yeah, like my, I, I realized early on in my career at Shopify that like, Oh, not everybody thinks this way. And I, I, I'm the one of the only people who actually think this way um so yeah like I being able to identify people who have really unique stories to tell who may not look like you um and are able yeah like I it's you I honestly need to like write this down because I don't even have like I can't even explain how my brain works (laughs) when it comes to like building a diverse panel because it's just like it's so normal to me but it's not normal for so many other folks uh but it really it's like research like they're not always just people I know luckily I'm I'm super um I have a really amazing community around me and different types of communities around me and so like I'm lucky enough to be able to like I've built a very strong network of really diverse people over the years um so if ever I'm looking for someone like yeah who's a designer or a jewelry maker then I can at least go to like a friend who is that? What what did you use to to get people to come to your event? The reason why our event was so diverse at, it was legit because our panel was diverse. So our panel's promoting it. We're promoting it. Um, we are two diverse women. Our panel's for diverse women. And then it's just a snowball effect where it... And then we got certain organizations that like have a large reach, large network, which is always beneficial and really, really helpful. And so they were able to promote it. So if multiple people from different communities and different networks are promoting the, the event, you're going to get a diverse background. Like I mean, you're going to get diverse attendees essentially. Uh, and that's essentially what happened with this. Like, again, our panel was a, like predominantly like, was all women um, and all women of color and they all came from different industries. So one was like a foresight uh, researcher. One was a journalist. So someone else was a tech uh, founder. Uh, and then our, our host for the evening, which she, you know, she works in non-for-profit. Like it's just, they're very, four different extreme, different like industries that allowed to bring an audience. Um, And then the topic, obviously, like people were interested of the future of women's work and what does that look like? So women of course are going to attend. And then people who may be interested in like future, like futurists essentially would attend. So it was like, being able to check off multiple boxes and knowing that like you're you're gonna be able to 
yeah, essentially get a diverse attendee list because of that. I think a lot of places right now are really seeking ways to either create more diverse pipelines or bring in more diverse voices into important conversations. This is really great advice that Natasha shares where she essentially says you need to research, you need to leverage your community, or if there's a lack of diversity there, you need to reach out to people who do to increase awareness in places that you might have never thought to look into. And also be more intentional about picking topics that would be relevant to most people and not just your typical bubble. And I have just a final question here, uh, and it's how can someone live their life unapologetically you know, and how are you doing it? And, and with this question, you know, for me, like, I, you know, I've, I've, I've known you, um, seen you for a couple of years and the way I know you, I just think you're like such an incredible person and you're just like so outspoken and you just have a certain style to yourself that you're just like, like, don't mess with me. You know, I'm, I am who I am and I fully own that. Uh, and I, I just love your energy. So I guess for, you know, like other people who are struggling to figure out who they are and um, be okay with, you know, that person and share who they are with people, um, how can they do that in the way that you've been able to cultivate who you are and share that with the world and, you know, through, especially through your adult life? I think because I've had like a fashion background and like fashion style, all that has been just like kind of ingrained in me since I was young and like I've just that's what I care about so like when I wake up in the morning what do I care about like I do care about like how I feel how I like I know if I dress a way that makes me feel good it's going to help dictate the rest of my day and so like my my fashion very much is like my mood and so there'll be a day where like I want to look like a superhero and I might no I'm never like a superhero but like you know I dress very bright I very like some days I don't even realize like I have a theme like I'm dressing towards until I leave the house. And I'm like, wow, I'm fully embodying this very specific theme. Um, but like, I don't know where my subconscious is going half the time. I just like dress based on the, on the way that's going to make me feel good until I leave the house. Then some days I'm like, Oh, I'm really like really loud today. Oh, I didn't realize I was going to get these comments today. Oh, I didn't realize my blue eyebrows are going to get so much attention today. <laughs> So like, I don't actually do it thinking like, what, what are people going to say or think? Like I do it because it makes me feel good. Uh, not until I leave the house and realize I get reactions from people or like, you know, compliments, let's say, uh, is when I'm like, oh, okay. Like this is attention I, I may not actually want right now, but like, I, I knew it made me feel good when I left. Yeah. From a dressing standpoint, like I do it for me and it makes me feel good. And I know I feel like it brings the confidence that I might want or need in that day. Um, and like, yeah, like I, I would love to tell people just to do that, but I know it doesn't come natural for people. Like that's not something that like you just can turn on or off, but if it, it, it is something you want to explore, it's like, yeah, just wear what you want to wear, dress when you want, you know, like dye your hair, whatever it is that makes you happy, go just do it. You know, like it really, it shouldn't matter like what other people think. No, that's great. Um, I think that about sums up this interview, actually. Uh, and and thank you for you know sharing all everything you shared throughout the the time we have here. Uh, you know, and for anybody who wants to kind of keep in touch and and check out, you know, at the moment, check out, you know, what Natasha Singh is up to. Do you have any social links you'd like to share? Yeah, you can definitely start by going to Instagram and go to at Miss underscore sing so m-i-s-s underscore s-i-n-g-h and then from there you can definitely find 
um, in my bio at the moment and a bunch of other probably random projects that I have in there that I maybe started and maybe didn't finish. <laughs> um, and then I'm also at Miss Sing, Miss underscore Sing on Twitter, which I don't really use, but you know, you can, you could creep me if you wanted to. Okay. Okay. You heard from her. Be sure to follow Natasha at Miss underscore Sing on Instagram, as well as at the moment at ATM online underscore on Instagram and follow us while you're at it at the outside girl pod on Instagram. We're all about Instagram on this podcast and uh, make sure to subscribe or follow us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And I hope to catch you in the next episode.